Happy Monday, everybody. Good morning to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. It is the beginning of a new week in the Word, and I'm excited about it. I love today's reading. We're in Jonah chapter 3. Only 10 verses. Jonah chapter 3. I'm so glad you're with me. Jonah's good, isn't it? Uh, again, one of those books, I don't know. I say we've read a million times. Uh, it, we've heard the story of Jonah and the fish, you know, but uh, honestly, I don't know that a lot of people really dig into these chapters, and uh, and I'm loving it. I really, really am. As I've been saying, it's not really a fish story. It's a mission story, and here in uh, Jonah chapter 3, you get the great mission Jonah preaches, and uh, <laughs> it's amazing. It really, really is. Now, uh, the Lord speaks to Jonah a second time. This is where we begin, chapter 3, verse 1, but if you notice God hadn't changed. You know, like we have been around the world and back with Jonah. He's been in a storm. He's been in a ship. You know, he's been in a fish. He's been puked up on the beach. <laughs> he has walked his sorry behind into Nineveh. And, uh, and God doesn't change. God says, get up and go to the great city. I mean, God hadn't changed one bit. I mean, it's exactly where we started in chapter 1, verse 1. It is the same. God doesn't change. And I, I guess we always love that idea that God doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can buy that on a you know on a picture at Hobby Lobby. I mean, we love that verse. But you have to understand. God doesn't change. That means you have to. You have to. God's not going to change for you. You're going to have to change for him. And this is what happens. This is why we're three chapters into the book of Jonah, and we're just now doing what God said do in verse 1 because Jonah had to change. And it turns out we don't change for nothing. We don't change easily. Most of it's, it takes, a, you know, a storm you know, it, it, it takes a couple of days in the belly of a fish, you know, it takes some kind of circumstances, you know, to break us. And uh, and we read Friday Jonah's great prayer in chapter two. Um, I don't know if I said this, uh, but for me, the, the best part about Jonah's prayer, it, it reveals to us the best answer to every prayer. And that is just simply in prayer, my heart becomes aligned with God's purpose. You see that? That's what happens in your prayer life. It's not so much, man, I I got miracles and God will work miracles and God rescued me from the belly of the fish and God will rescue you from whatever circumstances swallow you whole. But understand the best thing and what God is doing in your circumstances and what God is doing in your prayer is God is realigning your will with his will, your heart with his heart. So Jonah's different. Jonah's different. And this time, verse 3, this time Jonah obeyed. You see that? So in his prayer, you know, God realigns Jonah's heart. Okay, well, half his heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jonah is, man, I tell you, put him back in the fish. I mean, put him back in the fish. Um, he does not, uh, this is coming from a preacher, and I work hard, y'all. You, you know, I know Tim, Tim with Tim, this don't seem real polished, and it's not real polished, but I work on it, you know, like, like I got notes, <laughs> you know, I got, I write my Bible. I mean, I've worked on this. Jonah does not work on this. Jonah goes to Nineveh and he delivers the sermon in as few words as possible. He, he, I mean, technically he obeys, like technically. It's like you ever had a teenager and, and you told him to do something and technically he did it like he did it, 
just good enough so he could say he did it, but not necessarily enough to please you. You know what I mean? It's what Jonah does. He goes to Nineveh like he has to, and he preaches like God said to do, and he does it in, in as little effort, as little as he can, it's the bare minimum. In the Hebrew, his sermon is four words long. In the NLT, which gives him a little more credit, it's eight words long. But but let me tell you, I, I couldn't get by here with an eight words. Uh, actually, the <laughs> congregation would love it. I, I, I can't let myself, you know what I mean? Oh, gosh. He is the most half-hearted, you know, prophet ever. Why is God wasting his time with this moron? You know, this stubborn, you know, childish, half-hearted preacher, you know, four words. Come on, Jonah. He goes in there, delivers his four-word sermon. He spends no more time than he has to spend. He gets in, he gets out, he did it, you know. Why is God wasting his time on this half-hearted preacher? I mean, isn't the commandment to all of us that thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, all your mind, all, all your soul, you know, half-hearted. Um, but can we be honest? Uh, who among us loves God with a whole heart? I, I say I want to. I wish I did. I don't know that my whole heart is ever in anything, you, you know. I, I, I don't know that I have that... Uh, wholeheartedness, you know? But this is why I just love God so much because God doesn't wait around for a wholehearted person to do something for him because if God waited around for a wholehearted person, God would never get anything done, you know? I'm afraid, you know, half-hearted people are kind of the only kind of people there are, like me and you, you know? That's why I love, what is it, Philippians 1, 6? Uh, he who began a good work in you is going to be able to complete it, you know. Um, in other words, God has begun this good work in my heart, and and he's still doing it. He's still working, and he's going to try to work until he has my whole heart. And I want to cooperate. I want, him, I want to give him my whole heart. But in the meantime, I'm still kind of half, you know, three-quarter hearted on a good day, but God just uses me anyway. He, he's going to finish the work in me, and meanwhile, he's going to do his work through me, you know, and I just have to remain, you know, clay in his hands. Does that make sense? So Jonah obeys the Lord's command. Does he really? Well, he does technically, you know, and he delivers the sermon. Does he really? Well, he gives four words of it, but oh my goodness, God is great, and God is powerful, and God will take it, you know? God will take your half-hearted, you know, effort, and God will do something great, and God does something great you know, it's revival at Nineveh. Who expected? They're Gentiles. They're wicked, y'all. One of the most wicked Syrians. They're terrible. And they repent. Like, who saw this coming? The worst sermon ever by the worst prophet ever. And it's the biggest revival in history, maybe ever, you know? Oh my goodness. The king of Nineveh heard the four-word sermon and he said, oh my goodness. He stepped off his throne, took off his royal robes. He put on sackcloth. He sat in ashes and he said, okay, everybody, everybody, you do what I'm doing, you know, because we got a hope. We got a hope that this God is merciful. We got to hope that this God will change his mind. So we just all going to beg him to change his mind, you know? So nobody, 
Nobody, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no rich person, no poor person, it don't matter who you are. Listen, not even the animals, like your pets. Like, like I want your beagle dog to repent. I want your cats, you know, to repent. Good luck with that. Cats don't repent, but you know what I mean? I mean, every animal is going to fast. Every animal is going to dress in sackcloth. I mean, this is true, y'all. And we all going to pray to Jonah's God. And we're going to pray that somehow even now, even now he'll change his mind, you know? Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. And when God saw, the, you know, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind, you know? I know this is how prayer works. I mean, some people go, wait, God changed his mind? Oh yeah, God responds to prayer. God responds to our repentance. I mean, like we all go into hell unless we repent, but if we repent, understand it changes things. Prayer changes. Prayer will actually alter the future. You don't have certain things, James says, because you don't ask for things, you know? They ask for repentance. They ask for forgiveness and God gives them forgiveness, man. Thank God for his mercy. You know, thank God for God that changes his mind about me, you know. Now, he's always said this great city. Go preach this great city. Now, are they a great city? Greatly wicked. I mean, they're wicked. I mean, Assyria was terrible, you know. But God, God has always seen them for the great city they could be. God's always seen their great potential. Now, he's been stubbornly opposed to their wickedness. That's why he said, I'm going to destroy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase you. I will flatten you, you know. God is stubbornly opposed, opposed to their sin. But at the same time, he is fully dedicated to their greatness, you know, to what they could be if they would repent. And that's what they've done. And now that's what God's going to do, you know. Aren't you thankful for a God who, who sees you for what you are, but continues to reach out to you for what you could be, you know? God is stubbornly opposed to your sin, but he is greatly, greatly invested in the man, the woman, the child of God you could be if you would give your heart to him, you know? Oh, man, I, I love it so much. The king of, uh, you know, Nineveh, the king of Nineveh steps down, you know, puts on sackcloth because honestly, I mean, he steps out of his throne because if God's not merciful, his throne's not worth anything. He takes off his royal robes because if God's not merciful, that's, that, that splendor, royal splendor isn't worth anything. If people fall on their faces before God because if God's not merciful, then, then, then life is over, you, you know? If God's not merciful, we got nothing, you know? Thank God for his mercy. There you go. Greatest revival ever from the worst prophet ever. I just, you know, tomorrow we get to celebrate how good God is with Jonah, right? Because you know Jonah, you know, man, I mean, you know, four word sermon and this revival, Jonah ought to be on top of the world tomorrow. What do you think, right? So join me tomorrow. Uh, Jonah chapter four, verses one through 10. We're going to wrap up this book, wrap, wrap up <laughs> the story of this prophet. And uh, we're going to get to see Jonah after the greatest sermon ever preached. And he preached it. Uh, whoo, it's going to be great. So I'll see you tomorrow. I can't wait. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing, 10 o'clock, 10 with Tim. Jonah chapter four, verses one through 10. I love you guys. It's my day off. It's my day off. Have a good Monday. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>